Hello friends, I hope you are well. Whatever you're doing with your lives on a day like this one. I don't know if it's day or night where you are. I don't know if you're a man or a woman or a cat. Perhaps you're a cat that just happens to be nearby a speaker that just so happens to be playing this podcast. You're not going to get much out of this, but still, hey. Hey to you too. Hey to you all. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, This episode, I'm going to be talking about the film Braveheart. Braveheart, as you may or may not know, is a film full of historical inaccuracies. Mel Gibson, who directed and starred in the film, he said Braveheart was more of a historical fantasy rather than an actual history lesson, and that the film should not be taken at its word. The true story of William Wallace and the battle for Scottish independence was a very, very different story indeed. But don't worry, my beautiful patient friends, I'm here today to correct that for you. As a man born in Scotland but raised in England, I consider myself in the perfect position to translate for you the story of Braveheart into the stone-cold truth. In a few moments, you're going to hear a recording of me and my dad. I enlisted my dad's help in this. He just seemed like the perfect guy to help me. My dad lives in Inverness with my mum and brother, but last weekend he was in England celebrating the first birthday of my nephew, Max, who lives in Essex down the road from me. Now, in amongst this celebration of family my dad and I, we couldn't help but think about the future. We're a family split across two countries, half in Scotland, half in England. Two countries that, since the recent referendum, have never felt further apart. See, what we needed, we felt we needed, at least, was a sense of clarity. We thought maybe through a greater understanding of the history of the relationship between Scotland and England, we could better understand the state of our nations today. So in the middle of my nephew's first birthday party, me and my dad popped upstairs to record this piece. My dad had a copy of the synopsis of Braveheart that he'd printed off the internet. My job was to listen as hard as I could to his quite frankly, impenetrable Scottish accent, and to translate his words into the truth, into the true history of Scotland. I didn't plan what I was going to say in advance. I just listened to the words, and what came out, came out. My translation came purely from my subconscious, and that's why, friends, that's why you can trust that it is 100% true. I did it for you guys. I did it for the future of both our countries. This is Imaginary Advice. My name is Ross Sutherland. Thanks for listening. Imaginary Advice Sons of Scotland! I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard kills men by the hundreds. And if he were here, he'd consume the English with fireballs from his eyes and bolts of lightning from his arse. <laughs> I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. 
King Edward Longshanks, played by Patrick McGowan, invades and conquers Scotland. In bed with loan sharks, plagued by ass-kicked ruins, we repaved the contours of Scotland. Edward grants Prime Noctis the right for a lord to take a newly married Scottish woman into his bed on the wedding night. Eddie Grant's Friday Night Kiss was right in at four. We shook a newly sullied Scott mid-coupon at Lisa and Ed on their wedding night. Longshank's plan is to breed out the population of Scotland. A hunchback planned to eat a hot potato at the auction. Ten years later, William Wallace, Mel Gibson, returns to his father's farm. His translator... William caught this encryption in poems of the Dharma Bums. He attempts to marry his childhood sweetheart in secret. He pretends to Gary that eels could leak out of SeaWorld. But when English soldiers intervene, the resulting fight leads to the girl's execution. Back then, pinkish torturing machines were demoted. Mine reaped beautiful eggs and croutons. In retribution, Wallace slaughters the English garrison. Let's be brutal, Morris dances v chimps with parasols. Wallace rebels against the English, and as his legend spreads, hundreds of Scots from the surrounding clans join him. Walrus devils, a.k.a. the English, stood apiece on dead men's legs, munted tosspots in a stolen Audi, sang Jolene. Wallace leads his army to victory at Stirling, and then sacks the city of York, killing Longshank's nephew and sending back his head. Walrus pee was balmy, too thick to be swirling in my slack, Sweet city of porcelain, poll tax, kestrels, and Billy Bragg cassettes. Wallace launches a guerrilla war against the English. The polis torched the villa, your friends were in it. Now intending to join Wallace and commit troops to the war, Robert sets up a meeting in Edinburgh. How did vending Bitcoin projects land this beautiful score? Robot ketchup seeping from architecture. However, his father has conspired with other nobles to capture Wallace and hand him to the English. Investors in Nirvana had retired. Big suckers for local focaccia. Phonics rang bland into the spindrift. Learning of his treachery, Robert disowns his father. Churning office lechery, covert colognes of gardeners. Isabella exacts revenge on the now terminally ill Longshanks by telling him she is pregnant with Wallace's child, intent on ending Longshanks' line and ruling in his son's place. Does a better expat depend on a jowled, herpes-filled romance? My bellend, grimly skiffed, lead-paint-dipped balustrade, as tense as any sun-cracked line on Julian Assange's face. In London, 
Wallace is brought before an English magistrate, tried for high treason, and condemned to public torture and beheading. Incumbent college kids bought a four-man Guinness syndicate, dyed their eyes greener, Anton dreamt citronic orchards round his bedding. Even whilst being hanged, drawn and quartered, Wallace refuses to submit to the king, shouting the word freedom instead. When Christ's ceiling sang thorns and songbirds, callous Zeus's threw their shit to the ring. Out in the burbs, demons reneged. Impressed by the Scotsman's valour, the judge orders his death. In texts, Pentecostal grandmas fudged all words for sex. Years later, Robert the Bruce leads a surprise attack against the English at Bannockburn. Ah, Peter, God knows it's true. We are comprised of slag, our tents gleam, each kiss tyrannical. Robert implores his men to fight by his side, as the men had once fought for Wallace. Pop back indoors, this mental light in the sky will soon end, like our thirst for knowledge. You've come to fight us three men. Three men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Well, that's all. And I'm not sure whether my translation actually turned out to be the definitive version of Scottish history or uh, yet another terrible distortion walked by my own politics and my subconscious bias towards SeaWorld and the song Jolene by Dolly Parton. But hey, I spoke it from the heart and I meant every word of it. Thanks to my dad, Gordon, for helping me out with this. Thanks also to the poet, Nick E. Melville, who uh, worked with me on a previous version of this experiment and also happy first birthday to my nephew Max. Uh, this has been Imaginary Advice. Thanks for listening. <laughs>